All right, guys, we are still in the basement, but if you're noticing, you can actually see me for one. And then number two, you'll notice a very cool logo, which I'm, I'm probably going to point the wrong direction, but hopefully I get it right here. That says minor league news and brews up here. And this has been a, a brainchild for probably about, I don't know, three years here. The, the pandemic kind of stopped it. Um, have done some of these, you know, recordings on the slide, but you know what, this year I decided to jump straight in and, and what this is going to be is, you know, 30 minutes of, of baseball and a little bit of brews. And what I'm going to try to do is, you know, the local breweries that are around PNC park, uh, as well as, you know, some of the breweries that are around where the pirates minor league teams are and you know any minor league game i might happen to visit i'm going to be doing some reviews on some of those but i i thought that i would start out with uh doing a review of each minor league team and where else to start would be you'll notice right here something else that's different we're going to low a bradenton don't worry i still got the the yin's hat here for everybody i'll be putting that back on right after that but Welcoming to the show for the first time, we have Ben Picorni, and Ben is the new voice of the Bradenton Marauders coming from by way of Mizzou, Arizona State, Kalamazoo, and now he's down in Bradenton. Ben, how you doing today, brother? Good. Thank you for having me on. Uh, you know, you mentioned the places I've been. Uh, I think Kalamazoo, Quincy, Illinois, Mizzou, Arizona was a nice, nice weather, nice place to be. Um, but probably the first time I'm, I'm calling baseball in the best city in the world that I could think of to start for a low A town. Yeah. And I mean, the bonus is that right now, I mean, I, I can see where you're at and I, I guarantee you, you've been like taking some trips over to Pirate City yeah. and, you know, yeah. been checking out some guys and getting to know some people and, you know, getting to mingle with uh, a lot of big names that are down there right now. But, you know, definitely a, a very cool situation to be in. Yeah, I was over at Pirate City, actually, that you mentioned it from about uh, 11 a.m. to noon today, um, just watching some live ABs. Uh, you know, it's it's a frenzy there at times uh, with, with the, the viewing to the public, but sneak in for probably try to sneak in for an hour a week just to watch infield or whatever it was and got treated uh, today. They had live at bats and uh on field one group one was uh kutch reynolds and cabrian hayes oh, all just rotating in and out for about 45 minutes so just sitting there and being able to to be a fan and just just watch these guys swing was was probably the best part of my week so far yeah and what people don't know is when you walk into pirate city i mean i, I think they still do it i think i saw a florida prospect report uh put up there that they still hand out like the 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 sheet with all the guys names and numbers yeah. on it and and everything like that because uh we've even talked about i mean there's it's not the same as football when they take off their helmet but some of these guys when they take off their their uniform and they're in their street clothes or they may have a different hat on you may be like and they don't see the number like who is this guy yeah. so it's 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 something you know very good to see and and that's what it's going to be a lot for anybody that takes in a minor league baseball game uh, the first thing I really usually do is I, you know, you get either get the program or, you know, I have, I have yeah. the MILB app and I, I pull that up and I, I look at the names and numbers and, and try to get to know as many, you know, faces as I can, especially in Bradenton now with, 
uh, the, the different stuff that goes on there now where you have the FCL right there. And it's something that, yep. you know, your predecessor and, and Spencer Smith, we have talked about before um, is that, you know, that's a pretty cool thing because you can be pulling guys, you know, at the last minute uh, to, from the FCL and, and inserting them into the game and, and people are trying yeah. to figure out, I mean, sometimes you may be trying to figure out, you know, exactly <laughs> who this guy is, or just, you know, if you know some things about him, you know, getting yourself yeah. you know, acclimated to that. So have you, have you been uh, doing uh doing studying the program a little bit for the, the Marauders down there? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I think the, the, the big difference to being in the Northwoods league where I was, was previously is you don't have a ton of roster turnover uh, and you know, you have your 40 man and that's about it. There's the only guys you got to familiarize yourself with. Um, one thing I've really, really tried to focus on is just being a, being a student of the organization in general, just kind of figuring out, okay, who's in the, who's in the FCL, who's up in Greensboro, who's with the curve, who's in Indy, who's kind of on that border, kind of a two way uh, utility man flipping back and forth between Pittsburgh and Indy. Um, talking about just just going around and seeing people randomly um i eat lunch and dinner every day pirate city and guys taking their uniform off it it's it's the same thing for me too you see guys walking into the dining hall at pirate city and you're like is that o'neill is that you know is a stresney um it, it's 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 almost surreal and um talk talking to, to to friends and family like yeah they they sit down they eat they watch tv just like the rest of us you know and uh i think it's really cool seeing that that humanizing side of a lot of these players right now during during spring training. Yeah, and we won't know, you know, the Bradenton roster and, until a little bit closer here. But I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there. I, I mean, I read everything from Pirates Prospects. Yeah. I, you know, I, I always say that I study the Fangraphs roster resource page. You know, on the daily, I go and I, I pull up baseball reference and see who was in the FCL last year and, you know, try to figure out uh, who these who's going to be the guys at each position. Uh, yeah. uh, have, have you done have you seen yourself doing that at all? Yeah, 100 um, percent. I think it, it's you know, we don't know our roster until if we're lucky, March 2nd, probably all the way filled out. Um, I actually talked to JJ Marauders manager today for the first time. Um just more in depth about, you know, the season coming up and stuff like that. Um, my biggest hope and something I think we'll see happen in terms of something I'm like, I think is a real sure bet is having Termar um, start down here for the summer um, or for the season. Rather, um, I think you saw Termar grow a lot at the end of his spell here with us last season, started out hitting 111 and then ended up slashing some really good numbers towards the end. Um, as a broadcaster, obviously you want the, the number, uh, the first round pick in the organization from last year to start with you to, to get people excited about Marauders baseball. Um, and talking about watching those FCL guys uh, with the world baseball classic rosters coming out, you've started to see a lot of these guys that were playing in the FCL last year in Bradenton um, that are making the jump and playing in this world baseball classic. And I think it's a good chance for fans of the organization to see some of these guys that may have never heard of, a big one for me, um, Alessandro Ercolani, um, born and raised in San Marino in Italy, um, playing with Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic, had a 1.39 ERA and about 30 innings of work in the Complex League last year. Um, I think a 1-0 record, had one save in about eight appearances. So in terms of those Complex League guys, 
uh, that are that are hopefully going to make the jump. That's the big one that sticks out for me. He's a bit of a dark horse. Um, you don't, I haven't seen him on any blogs, any fan posts, whatever. But um, I really like that uh, the the talent that he has. 18 years old, came here to FCL to Pirate City when he was 16. Um, so a pretty cool story in itself. Yeah, and, and that's where you're breaking maybe a little bit of news here, but also just giving us a little bit of insight of a player that, like you said, it, that really isn't out there. And when you think about, you know, getting the rosters put together, it's not only, you know, the Bradenton roster, it's what does the Greensboro roster look like? Where What does yeah. the Altoona roster look like? I mean, I feel like that once you get up to Indianapolis – it gets to be a little bit more set, but even there's some position battles there of will a guy drop down yep. to Altoona, which they could then drop a guy down to, you know, Greensboro. And it's a, it's a trickle down effect. And it's the same with promotions. It's looking to see everybody's saying, you know, they, I see Tamar, you know, on fan graphs, he's, he's listed as a second baseman in Greensboro. And yeah. I, you already took that question away from me there a little bit, because that's what I was going to ask is, is kind of what you thought and what you've heard just because to me, yeah. I, I don't know if I've seen him get enough time um, just either in like the complex league and even the call up to Bradenton last year was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. I, I obviously I haven't heard anything official. Um, haven't, you know, had any, full-on conversations with the people that make those decisions. Um, but like like I said, and like you were saying, I think it'd be really good just to see him get a few weeks of at-bats in here in Bradenton because um, he got he got hot towards that end uh, of his spell here with the Marauders. And I think that'd be a great way to catapult him up into high A and in, into double A, um, whatever the ceiling might be for him um, this year. And just to have a guy like that to, to get butts in the seats, um, to get people tuning in to watch Marauders baseball for me personally would be huge. Obviously for the, for the good of the organization, I want to, I, I want to move Termar up as high as we can and get him as close to playing big league baseball as soon as possible. But um, if we had him in Bradenton for a few weeks, I wouldn't be the most upset person in the world just to, to get to sit here and talk into a microphone every night, watching, you know, the future of, of a hopeful world championship team, uh, down here at Lecom Park for the Marauders. Yeah, and another guy that kind of pops it into my mind that the people are kind of maybe pushing towards Bradenton is Young Shook Shim, um, who we had yeah. just signed. I know that you know Po Yu Chan, and it's it's just comparing for me the the international type players and the, and the competition that they had faced. You know, maybe getting some time in the FCL, even if it's just you know a few games, just kind of almost like Po Yu Chen was in his first year. Yeah. He absolutely dominated. I, I think he did not walk a player um, in the FCL and, and was striking out like guys left and right and may, you know, need that. And it might not be in the rotation from the beginning. Yeah. I think you kind of saw that with, with Quinn, Quinn Priester at the start of last year, starting him in Bradenton, obviously it had a little bit to do with kind of a rehab work, uh, but throws three innings in Bradenton ends up being part of a combined no hitter and his only ever outing as a marauder. Uh, and then shoots his way up to AAA last season. So I think the the ceiling for a lot of guys is there to where I don't think it would necessarily hurt their progress to even just to build up some confidence to start them down in single A uh, and just kind of see where they compare. You're talking about the international players, um, just their level of competition. I think that's the biggest thing along with, you know, guys straight out of college versus guys like Tamar straight out of high school. How ready are they to take, at bats against 95, 96 miles an hour 
six days a week for 132 or depending at what level you're at, you know, 150 odd games. Yeah. And I mean, I know some of these guys have, you know, held the wood bat and, and, you know, prior to, you know, showing up to pirate city or whatever, but I mean, there's some guys that are coming straight from, you know, playing, you know, with the metal bat and, and, and maybe not, like you said, maybe not facing the level of competition and with the you know restructuring of minor league baseball, and it's something I'll, I'll keep talking about just at least for maybe at least the yeah. next couple of years, is that prior to this, that you know the high school guys uh, would have been down in in the FCL or the, what was the Gulf Coast League at the time, but you know the yep. other guys would have been either in Bristol, West Virginia, wherever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so now, I mean, even in the FCL, you're getting you know some guys that like a Tamar Johnson who would be facing guys in the FCL that could be at the same level as, you know, in Bradenton, it just might be that it's just a numbers game as to where they can yeah. fit guys on the roster. And I think with the deep, you know, pool of prospects that I like to think that we have in the Pirates organization, I think the future looks very bright with the amount of talent that that we have amongst all four levels of affiliated baseball. Um kind of gives you that ability to pull guys from the FCL. And for lack of a better term, the FCL to me has become the Appy League. It has become, you know, low A short season rookie ball um, to give guys that chance to play every day to see good competition. I think talking about before the restructuring of minor league baseball, which we won't, we don't have to get into, (laughs) but uh, I think that the, Gulf Coast League, FCL, whatever you want to call it, the Complex League was not as well respected as I think it should be now. Um, Because I think guys are getting much more quality appearances, much more quality of bats against good competition there. Um, And I don't think I would be entirely shocked to see guys like Chang go to the FCL, start there, come to Bradenton, make their way up to Greensboro, and who knows where you can go from there. It's it's definitely, you know, adjusting. And and Ben Charrington has shown that he will be aggressive with some of his promotions you know we've seen a lot of yep. you know 18 year old players um in Bradenton whereas before I mean that would be an, an absolute shock unless they were you know and I'm it's not speaking bad about these guys but unless they were like you know a Wander Franco or a you know somebody like that it, that wouldn't be the the type of promotion but you know Ben's been kind of kind of aggressive with that but the one that I'm kind of curious uh, I saw him play in in Bradenton last year Unfortunately, when I got to see him play, it was it was just with the bat. I also wanted to see him pitch, but he he wasn't scheduled to pitch then. And, and that's a, a two way player, still a two way player right now, in Bubba Chandler. And a lot of people yeah. are saying if if he would just focus on the pitching, it, it might be possible to start out in Greensboro. But it, it kind of seems like that the bat is is not going to go away just yet. Yeah. First off, Bubba's a guy that when I first got here. Everyone within the front office, you know, ballpark staff here at Lecom, talk about just class act, great dude, awesome person to be around in the Marauders organization, and more to the playing side of things. You know, I, I think he's, I, I definitely think he's early enough in his career where you still kind of can experiment and see, you know, can I get some good ABs and can I get that average up? Am I slashing a number where, you know, it's, sensible for me to keep hitting and trying to get some some time on the bump as well um you know whether it's his choice to take it in a certain direction or it's an organizational choice that i don't know of um 
but regardless of whether he's you know going to stick with the two-way focus on the bat focus on the mound I think it's an exciting guy just in terms of his flexibility um, because that's a type of player that I don't think we have at a lot of levels within the the farm system is a guy who if you're struggling on a six-game road trip and you got him DH and say hey how's your arm feel can you get in the bullpen and give us maybe like two innings tonight uh, up in the Carolina League or up in Altoona Um, and I, I think the flexibility is something that gives him an edge for the time being and whether or not he decides to, to focus on one aspect of the game or not, time will tell. Hopefully by April 7th, we'll know uh, what, what, <laughs> what that kind of that path looks like. Yeah. Cause the one thing that I kind of suggested, and I know I'm, I'm just a guy, I sit in my basement and I watch <laughs> as much minor league baseball as possible, as much major league baseball and different stuff. But as a person who, you know, didn't make it far in my baseball career, but was a Me neither. was was a switch hitter at one point. But at one point, okay. at one point in time, I was told to focus, and I wasn't even pitching, and was told to just kind of focus on the one side. Well, you know, Bubba's on the bump. He's switch hitting. He's he's got to focus on all that kind of different stuff. So my one suggestion was, okay, Bubba, which side of the which side of the uh, of the plate do you feel most comfortable on, <laughs> and, and maybe just stick with that because. I mean, you see the power there and you see the potential. I mean, a yeah. couple of times, you know, saw him just like launch it at, at, at Lecom into the, uh, I guess, to the to the, the uh, bullpen over there. And yeah, right, right, right out there. Yeah. So, I mean, it, dude, the power is absolutely there and, and you could see that the skill level is there. So, I mean, that's just definitely going to be something interesting to watch. Is, is there anybody else that, that you've kind of like thought of that maybe you're looking at uh, in Bradenton or in the FCL that you've kind of like been keeping your eye on a little bit? Not anyone in particular. I think, you know, I am, am like everyone else. I think I get caught up in you know, Termar, Andy Rodriguez, um, talking about those guys that are at the top end of that, that top 30 prospect list. And I think that's, that's the best part about the FCL and, and single a baseball in general is that we really don't know who's going to be our guy this year. You know, we could have someone that, uh, we picked up from a frontier league or an American association spot, come in here and be a dude for us for 132 games. Um, I think that we, we know those top end prospects that more or less will be, you know, deposited in Bradenton or Greensboro, Altoona, Indianapolis. Um, but for me, I'm trying not to focus too much on, you know, uh, I don't know what to call it, hoping for who's going to be here and who's going to be on the roster and more so just kind of kind of going with the flow. And, and, you know, regardless of the fact we're going to get 132 games of of great baseball. I know JJ and the staff um, are really excited for this season after what was a, you know, uh, an upsetting end of the season to say the least oh, for a geez. lot of people that were here last year. Um, I I've, I've heard plenty about that since, since I made the move down here um, in the, the mini rivalry, possibly starting with Dunedin just after, um, <laughs> after what happened last season. But I think that uh, for me, I'm just trying to keep an open mind and, and just, be excited because at the end of the day, I, I I don't care who's out there on the diamond. I get to I get to sit and be part of a great organization and announce 132 games of baseball, and that's that's the dream. Yeah, it's it's definitely and and for people that don't, I mean, 
I do have, you know, MILB TV. I don't have the, you know, MLB TV, even though it's, I guess, now going to be combined to a degree. It's something here yeah. now coming up. And, and that's going to be something that people are going to have to adjust to, or it might be a bonus on top of it for some people. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a bonus. Sorry to cut you oh, no, off, good, but just to, to dive deeply into that real quick. Um, so for MILB TV subscribers, MILB TV is still going to be there. It's going to be its own thing. Um, the, the recent, you know, change and announcement that's come out lately is just adding on those minor league games to someone's MLB TV, uh, subscription. So, uh, I think it's a great opportunity for people that are maybe just Pittsburgh Pirates fans to become Altoona Curve, Grasshoppers fans, Marauders fans, um, and dive deep into what we have down here because, uh, you know, some tough seasons up at the big league level the past few years, but there's so much to be excited about from, from top to bottom, from triple all the way down here in Bradenton. Yeah, that's the one thing I've noticed uh, in, you know, following the pirates for as long as I have being a, a minor league baseball fan uh, since, you know, back when I was in middle school, uh, it's just been part of my life. And so like I knew who was being taken in, you know, the minor league portion of the rule five draft, but it kind of seems like that that's been trickling (laughs) upward towards Pittsburgh a little bit more that, you know, getting upset about when we lose, you know, 11 guys, you know, in the minor league portion of the rule five draft. And and a lot of those guys that, you know, I kind of, you know, had, had pegged for either, you know, maybe, and I hate to even say repeating a level because I think that with the the restructuring of baseball now, that repeating of a level, it it needs to like kind of lose, you know, some of like the stigma that happens. I mean, some of the times I would agree. Some of the times, you know, it, it may have that, but other times just because, Hey, we bumped this guy up here when he was 18, just to see how he would do. And, you know, he, he needs another year and, and that's not a, that's not a bad thing, but there were some guys I had pegged for possibly that guys I had pegged for, you know, possibly in the, in the Greensboro rotation, you know, Joe Elvis DeRosario is one of the big name guys that I had out there, but it's, there's going to be those opportunities, you know, for other players that the one thing, you know, that everybody to me, like I was focusing on in Bradenton this year and I, I just kind of wanted to just discuss it for a little bit is that, yeah. um, is is the catching situation we we've been kind of blessed in the lower levels for the past few years you know two years ago Andy was in Bradenton then he was you know in Greensboro oh, yeah. the whole way up uh to, to Indianapolis I uh, you know Abraham Gutierrez was when he came over uh from the Phillies organization and then he was in Greensboro last year we we've had a, a lot of you know Henry Davis coming through Greensboro yep. and different stuff like that and now I looked and it's not that I'm, I see, I see Giovanni uh, Planchart is a guy that I, I think I wrote an article. Anybody go back to inside the Bucks basement and, and search okay. it. I wrote a, a, a triple threat article about three guys that I was keeping an eye on. I think when he was back, when he was in the FCL. Um, so it's not that the, the talent isn't there, but then I like looked and I'm like, man, I don't know where this, you know, there's a couple guys there, but I, I don't, I, I is, is, I'm thinking, you know, Axel Plaz, my boy, hopefully is in the FCL this year. Um, but I, saw him today uh, catching live abs over at Pirate City. Oh man, that's uh, that's that's yeah. what I'm looking forward forward to when I'm down there in a few weeks here. But um, but yeah, he's I'm thinking he's only 17. I'm like maybe that's a little bit too young to get him to push up to Bradenton. <laughs> but I mean, 
is is there still do you feel there's still depth like throughout the entire system and and this is just catching and because that's what the that's yeah. what ben sherrington has kind of been his mantra has been from the top to the bottom is is having depth i think i think the catching depth is 100 percent still there and the, the, i equate that to the fact that i think our pitching depth top to bottom is is a strong suit of this this farm system right now more so maybe at the top end of things looking at triple a with guys like quinn priester up there um and good quinn priester story later if we want to get into that but uh, you know i i think that that goes hand in hand i i wouldn't call it just catching depth i think battery depth uh in general and i think it's a really hard thing to do and i think that's why uh Mr. Sherrington um, does does such a great job with building this farm system is that this draft nowadays is only 20 rounds. I think that's a big thing that that gets overlooked a lot now at the at the farm system level is that it's a lot harder now to pick a guy out of the draft that you think would be a really good option. Maybe not in a week after he gets drafted, but give him a year and see how he does, you know, at, at the single A level. Um, I think that across the board with you talked about Endy and um, Henry Davis. Those are two guys to me that could be big league catchers themselves um, and, and starting alongside each other uh, kind of like a, maybe like a Wilson Contreras, Miguel Montero Cubs deal um, back during their world series teams, David Ross, I guess thrown in, they had three catchers. Jeez, <laughs> what a team. Uh, but uh, I think that it's, it's a position that also takes a toll on the body and that is not fun to play in July in Florida sometimes um, just, just, just guessing um, my time in Kalamazoo, we had a guy catch 19 games straight. Oh, um, and I, I, yeah. And I, I think he uh, just went to a seven 11 and just bought two whole pound bags of ice for himself uh, a- after that stretch was done. So depth at the catching position, I think isn't something necessarily that has to be, full of guys that are projectable into the major leagues within a, you know, two to three year time span. For me, I think just having catching depth throughout a farm system is good for the development of pitchers. And just in terms of guys like Endy and Henry Davis, who we expect to be, you know, playing at PNC park in a few years to take that load off of them as young guys trying to catch a game every day. Um, I think it's really important to have people around them that can say, you know, we're going to start him on Sunday. You've just caught, 10 games in a row with one off day mixed in between, you're going to get a day off. Um, so I think that whether it's a projectable guy or a guy that's just there to, to take an odd game here and there, that in in turn helps everyone else in that catching unit for me personally. Yeah, And I, I always see catching as a, as a pretty important thing within a system, especially when you have, you know, your, your on-field general and in, in Derek Shelton is a former catcher. The you know yep. the head of the the minor league. I think he's the director of catchers and of players and coaches. And instead of being called you know the the minor league GM or whatever they used to call it, and John yeah. Baker, you know, it's, it's a lot of a focus um, on within that. So I and, and I one name I was going to mention is as the backup, and I have it written down. Yeah, here. it's Nick Jamello. I uh, he was with yep. Rutgers. I. He's a guy who had played some outfield, a little bit of catching, different things like that. And so, I mean, he kind of reminds me in some ways of guys that caught in, you know, Greensboro last year in, in like a Grant Koch, who a lot of the the people within the, the system talk very highly of, of, of how they worked with those pitchers. So, I mean, catching to me I, as a 
you know, somebody I, that's who were all my favorite players growing up were uh, Gary Carter, Mike Lavalier, uh, Don okay. Slott. I uh, skipped over Jason Kendall. I, I was going to say Pirates legend himself. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why I, I, I skipped over that. But then once you get back into it, it's like uh, Francisco Cervelli and Russell. I, I just kind of love those guys. So, um, yeah. But yes, that's where, where my mind kind of goes. But it, you know what, Ben, this this has been a great talk this time. And, and there's so much more to talk about. So all that means oh, yeah. is that we're going to have to do this again sometime, brother. Fine with me. I'd be happy to do yeah, it. And for anybody that doesn't, you got to go give Ben a follow on Twitter. Uh, follow the Bradenton Marauders on there. Uh, go subscribe to uh, MILB TV if you haven't yet. At least uh, download the app and listen to the, the radio broadcast and everything. Because I First pitch. Yeah. All games on MILB first yeah, pitch. Yeah, so, and that's something that I, I do from time to time is just toss one of those games on and and just try to listen to it. So, but, but Ben, it's, it's been great talking to you, yep. brother, and can't wait to do this again. Can't wait. We'll get you on a broadcast when you're down here. Oh man. I, I, I'd be looking forward to that. <laughs> Go box. Go box. Right, guys, that was uh, that was Ben Picorni, and you know we're we're up against it here. But I also wanted to talk about the other thing that I you know I kind of mentioned, which was you know everybody's wondering what what Craig's been sipping on from behind this uh, this Pirates can right here. And for me, the people at Creekside Beer were nice enough to. I wish I was I was looking for some big storms, some magnanimous brewing, some motorworks, you know, different places like that. But in the few weeks I'll be down there, I'll be you know looking at that. But for right now, I can't really say it too well, and I don't know if you could see it too well. It's a little bit of a jaya-like hazy that I've been sipping on here, and I've got four of them here, and and I've I've taste tested all of these prior to this, and. And I do my I do my rating on something that I call the Waboba, the weighted based on batting average beer system. And I have to do it that way because I'm not a big stout drinker. I'm not a big porter drinker. So I got to or sour drinker. So I got to bump their scores up a little bit, you know, give them a, a little bit of an advantage. And I got to take the, the loggers and the hazies down a little bit. So I have my scores written down here. And this one right here is for the Jialai Hazy. It's a double dry hopped IPA, and the scores all go from a four a four hundred batting average is a Honus, a three hundred batting average is a Clemente, the two hundred batting average everybody's going to know this one. It's the Mendoza, and I'm sorry to one of my favorite players during the '90s. I made you my one hundred, and that's Kevin Polkovich. I loved him my senior year of 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 high school and uh, freshman year of college. So it was between him and Dale's fame as to who I was going to name that one after. Um, so this right here, it, it comes in at a, at a solid, you know, 350 for me. But with with the weighted thing, the pale ale has come down the, the, the 50 points. So it comes down to an even 300. That's a Clemente for me right there. Um, another one, it's the first time I tried this one. 
Um, this is, they have, it's the Jai series. It's a Spanish cedar. Um, and that is another um, IPA here. And so on this one, this one was, I, di I didn't like this one as much. This one fell around the 325 range. So it, it'll get bumped down to around the 275. So it's right below a, a Clemente, but it's definitely above a Mendoza. And these other two, I, I hate to say, I've, I've been down in Florida a bunch of times. Uh, Jilo is, is my go-to beer when I'm sitting by the pool because it's their low-cal one. And it's not because it's the low-cal, it's because it's the, also the low it's low uh, uh, ABV. So you, you're not, it's like you're drinking a, a lower, uh, almost like a light beer, but it's it's got that, you know, heavy beer flavor. This one right here is going to be tough for, for, you know, those breweries out there that I'm going to be visiting to beat. This one right here I come have coming in at a, th a 375 uh, with the adjustment. Uh, it's it's coming in at, a, at a right around a 325. And and the original, the granddaddy of them all, and that's the Jai Lai. The Jai Lai is, you know, the heavier, the, the punch in the face one of the Jai Low. And to me, you know, go out. I, my, my camera, I can't see it too well, but the Cigar City, look for that sign right there. Uh, this one right here, I'm going to give it the, the 3.75 as well. Um, and so basically, guys, whenever you're visiting anywhere, you know, go give a lot of these guys, I, not only the breweries great, you know, but uh, you got to basically say to them right here, you got to play this song for them. A pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer. And once again, I'd like to thank the guest uh, we had on today, the new voice of the Marauders, uh, Ben Picorni. Uh, next week, we'll be previewing uh, the Greensboro Grasshoppers. Trying to decide whether I'm going to do that one by myself or if I can, you know, talk somebody into from Greensboro or, or one somebody from the prospect sites are coming on, uh, but have been doing, you know, as much research as I can on who I think uh, might be in Greensboro and going over to Creekside Beer and getting some more uh, beers from the Greensboro area. Um, until next time, this is Craig Toth from Box in the Basement, starting off here, Meyer League News and Brews. Uh, also, go to our partners at Shop Yins, go to, to Creekside Beer, and uh, go get yourself some Cigar City. <laughs>